Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. Good. Thanks for coming up and, and thanks for joining us today on this beautiful day. It's fun to have church outside, isn't it? Yeah. What do I have here? Bread. A loaf of bread. This is a, a real nice, uh, a nice loaf of white bread from Festival. Fresh. It's getting a little sweaty in the bag. You see that there? It's a little hot in the sun, I think. But this is a, a nice loaf of bread every single Sunday. Here at Mount Olive, and maybe even every day at home, we pray a prayer called the Lord's Prayer, right? We, we pray a, a prayer called the Lord's Prayer, and in that prayer we say, Give us this day our daily bread. bread. Is this what we're asking God to give us every day? Give us a loaf of bread? No. Well, maybe, but not just bread, right? When we ask God to give us our daily bread, we're asking Him to give us the things that we need for our life here on this earth. What are some of the things we need for our life here on this earth? Water. water. We definitely need water, right? Without water, our bodies can't live. What else? Air. Air. Good. We need air. Um, like resting. resting. What are you guys wearing right now? Clothing. Clothing, right? We all wear clothes. Where are you probably going to go after this? back to your house, right? It's good to have a place to live, especially in the wintertime in Wisconsin. We want to have a, a roof over our head, right? Why don't we ask God for our weekly bread or our monthly bread or our yearly bread? Hmm, that's an interesting question, isn't it? We're going to talk about that in our sermon today. I want you to listen and, and see if you can hear why we don't ask God for weekly bread, monthly bread, yearly bread. We ask him for daily bread, it's a reminder that God gives us what we need for life today. He provides what we need right now in this life. And really, God provides everything we need now and for eternity, forever and ever. Jesus once called himself the bread of life. Jesus said that you need to eat him. And Jesus is the word of God. He said, you need to eat me if you want to live forever. You need to eat the word of God if you want to live forever. And what does the word of God say? It says that we are sinners who are, who are not perfect, who don't perfectly trust God every single day. And it says that Jesus has saved us from all of our sin with his death on the cross and resurrection from the dead. Jesus is a better kind of bread that sustains us every day, now and forever. Today we're going to focus on, on some teachings of Jesus that follow his teachings about the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, and they're connected. We'll talk more about that in our sermon. Take a listen as we, as we do that today. Let's pray and ask God to bless our time in his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus, the, the bread of life. We thank you for giving us our daily bread, for providing for our earthly needs each and every day, as long as we are alive. But we thank you most of all for Jesus, the bread of life. Help us to listen to his words and promises today. Help us to trust what he says in your word. Amen. portion of God's word that we will focus our attention on for a few minutes this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. As I mentioned earlier, this is a portion of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, 
and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So as I mentioned a couple times now, this is a portion of the Sermon on the Mount, and there's a lot of points in the Sermon on the Mount leading up to this text. Um, But I wanted to focus your attention on just three of them before we dive into our text today. Um, you have to bear with me if the wind flips a page or something. It's a little hard with this handheld mic to control these things, but I'll do my best. Um, first thing I wanted to just talk through briefly was the Lord's Prayer. So at the beginning of chapter 6, Jesus in Matthew's Gospel teaches us the Lord's Prayer. And of course, as we talked about in the children's devotion, the, the one petition, the fourth petition that is really applicable here is that give us this day our daily bread. And as we foreshadowed in the children's devotion, why, why today? Why, why daily bread? You know, we don't live that way. You don't go to the store every day, right? When you go to the store, what do you shop for? A week? Two weeks? A month, maybe? Some of you might go to the store once a month and get everything you need and you're all set, right? It might make sense from our perspective, a perspective of humans who, who plan for the future. Well, why not ask God for maybe the you know, bi-weekly bread or, or monthly bread, at least? But Jesus says, no, no daily bread. Ask, ask your God for, for bread for today, for, for daily bread. And this was a concept that Jesus was picking up on from the Old Testament book of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 30, there's a, a section called the Sayings of Agur. There's a guy named Agur who asks this of the Lord. He says, Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Neither poverty nor riches, but only daily bread. And then he goes on to say this. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal, and so dishonor the name of my God. Jesus knows that there's this sweet spot for us in our 
lives here on this earth, a, a sweet spot that helps us always give glory to God for all the things that we have. If we have too much, as the, the proverb says, we might forget the Lord. Look at all this stuff that I earned. Look at all this work that I've done. All, all that I have amassed, all this wealth that is mine. Who's the Lord? I, I got everything I need. I can buy anything I want. I could take care of anything I need. Then who gets the glory? Me and not the Lord. Or on the other end of the spectrum, if you don't have enough, you don't trust the Lord to give you what you need. You take matters into your own hands, steal, be dishonest, get whatever you can, and rob God of his glory that way. And so Jesus, in, in saying, give us this day our daily bread, he's reflecting back to a proverb that really is about giving God the glory that is due him. He's the reason we have everything we have. He's the reason that we are alive today. He is the reason that we've had everything we need every single moment of our day of our lives up until this point. What promise has God kept to you and to me every single day since we've been alive? He has given us our daily bread, hasn't he? And he will continue to as long as we're alive. After that, in the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes on to the idea of fasting. And maybe that's not as common in our Lutheran circles. It certainly could be. Um, I've gotten into the habit of fasting on Sunday mornings because otherwise I'm up here like belching in front of you and, and it's not so good to have a full stomach and preach. So I've learned that if I don't eat till after church on Sunday, I can do my job better. Um, does it make me a little sharper? I think so. I don't compare the two all that often, but is it easier to be sharp when you have an empty stomach? Are you more aware of what's going on around you? I, I, I think so. One of the reasons people often fast, a God-pleasing reason for fasting, is to help you focus on the word of God in prayer. In this section, Jesus warns against fasting in a way where your face gives away your discomfort. He's basically saying, when you fast, put oil on your face and, and wash it and, and make it look healthy and robust and happy. Because if you're fasting and you're, and you're walking around like, oh, I'm so hungry, and everybody else is, is seeing that, then you're not fasting so that you could focus on God's word. You're not fasting so you could focus on God's promises. You're fasting to draw attention to yourself. And, oh, look at me. Look at how, how much I'm, I'm serving the Lord with my, with my starvation. But, of course, what does this have to do with daily bread? A person who's fasting has daily bread, don't they? They're intentionally refraining from eating that daily bread for a purpose. The third point is a section that you're, you've probably heard this particular quote. Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He, he's saying, don't store up treasure that's going to burn up on Judgment Day and forget the treasure that won't burn up on Judgment Day. Don't focus on anything that's going to be destroyed. If, if your attention is drawn to things that are going to be destroyed on Judgment Day and not the precious, e eternal words and promises of God, then you're focusing on the wrong thing. And Jesus gives that warning. He says, where, where, you, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be also. If you're focused on things that are going to burn up on Judgment Day, that's where your heart is too. If you're focused on the eternal words and promises of God and what they say for you, that's your treasure. That's where your heart is. And then our text starts. Jesus talks about two masters, right? 
You, you cannot serve two masters. You, you cannot serve both God and money. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and, and money. And the word here for money is mammon. You ever heard that word before? Mammon? It, it literally means stuff. Earthly stuff. All that stuff that's going to be destroyed on judgment, day, earthly stuff, that's, that's mammon. It's not just dollars and cents. But you can't serve both. And so building off of those things, Jesus goes into this section where he teaches us about worry. And it's interesting because he, he begins by commanding his listeners, do not worry. Just like Elijah commanded the woman at Zarephath, do not be afraid. And in the same way that Elijah gives her the reason, the words and promises of God, Jesus does the same thing. Listen again as Jesus reasons with his audience, as he gives us the reasons that we do not need to worry. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? You ever stop and think about that? Every meal I've eaten in my adult life, I, I had something to do with. Either it was a part of my paycheck that was used to pay for the food, or I cooked it, or I bought it at a drive through But every meal that I've eaten in my entire adult life, I feel it's pretty much always I've had a hand in it. And everything that I wear, with the exception of a Christmas present or a kind wife who picks up some shirts on sale, I picked it out. I decided to wear this today, believe it or not. I picked out this shirt and these jeans and this belt and these shoes. I chose them. I thought, oh, this would be nice for a church picnic today. Did I have anything to do with my life? How about my body? Anything at all? No. That's what Jesus is referring to. Is not life more than food? Is not the body more than clothes? You, you focus on these things that you think you have control over, like food and, and clothes. What are they without the life that I gave you, God says? What, what are they without the body that I provided you with? You have no control over these things. Why are you fretting over the, the surface issues, the things that feed your body and, and cover your body? Why are you fretting about these things? It makes no sense. Then Jesus goes on. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Birds are awesome. One of my grandfathers loved bird watching, and I kind of like it too. I don't do it as often as he did, but I, I observe birds. I like seeing them and trying to figure out what kind it is by sight or by sound. Birds are beautiful. First thing I noticed when I set up the live stream out here today, I went to check the sound. You could hear the birds tweeting in the background. It was kind of cool. I don't know if the people at home can hear that or not. But you could hear birds. Birds are beautiful. They're a wonderful part of God's creation. They show his his incredible creativity. They show his, his infinite power. But the Bible is not the story of how God saved the birds from damnation. 
The Bible is the story about how God saved the crown of his creation, human beings who fell into sin from damnation. And Jesus's point is, if God takes care of birds, do you not think he will take care of you? Are you not more valuable than birds? And of course, the answer is yes, you are much more. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? This is interesting. What do you think an unbeliever would say to that? Somebody who does not believe God created them, somebody who does not believe Jesus is their Savior, do you think an unbeliever thinks they can add an hour to their life? I think, yeah. I think an unbeliever would say, well, this is one of the blessings of evolution. Worry. Fear. A child like Frederick, who's often not afraid of anything, is a danger to himself. Correct? There's these little white things on our doorknobs right now that make it really hard to open the doors because, um, thanks, Jesse. <laughs> Jesse gave them to us. Um, I think she had similar problems with one of hers. But what, what happened was we looked outside one day and we saw Frederick in the driveway. How did he get there? He opened the door and he walked outside because he doesn't know what's good for him. He doesn't know what's dangerous. He's got no fear. He's got no worry. And I think the unbelieving world would say, worry is actually good because it protects you from danger. It protects you from dying. If you don't worry, if you don't fear anything, you're probably going to end up dead. And so why are human beings alive today? It's because we worry. It's because we're afraid and we're able to preserve our life. Hmm. That's one perspective. Jesus has another, doesn't he? <laughs> Who of you has control over when you live or when you die? None of us. None of us has any say over when we live or when we die. Jesus says, do you really think that you're in control over, over when you're born and, and when your life ends, you're not? He says, that's in my hands. Psalm writer, Psalm 31, rejoices in the Lord, says, my times are in your hands, O Lord. That's the truth. That's what the words and promises of God declare. Who of you, by worrying, can impact the length of your life? Not a one of you. It's illogical in light of what the word of God and his promises say. One more section here. Jesus says, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? On the one hand, the scriptures do speak of our lives here on earth like grass, like flowers, right? It's here one day and gone the next. The wind blows over it and it is gone. That's a good perspective for us to have regarding our life here on earth. The older you get, the more you realize how fast it goes. I think life's going fast and then someone who is 30, 40, 50 years older than me laughs in my face and they say, just you wait to see how fast life goes because it just goes by in a blink. So there is that perspective that life is quick, that our lives are like grass, here one day, gone the next. But what do the words and promises of God declare? Your earthly death is not the end. It never has been. It never will be. Earthly death is not the end of you as a human being created in the image of God. Part of what makes us different from the rest of the world is that God has given us a soul, 
a soul that will not die, that will not end, a soul that will be rejoined with its body at the resurrection from the dead to live with God forever and ever and ever. And so when comparing you and me to grass and flowers, which God clothes with immense beauty, is he not going to take care of you too? Is he not going to make sure you who have no end have something to wear while you're on this earth? Of course. Of course. What's Jesus's point in all this? For the Christian, for the one who listens to the words and promises of God, worry makes no sense. To listen to the word of God, to listen to the promises of God, to be reminded that we are creations of the Father, the crown of his creation, to be reminded that though we fell into sin very early on, he immediately promised to rescue us from sin and death. To see those promises fulfilled in the Son of God, to be assured that eternal life is ours because of the work of his perfect Son, Jesus, Worry makes no sense, and yet we worry. Every one of us. We, we do it all the time. Do you realize that your worry robs God of his glory? It does. When, when you and I worry, we are robbing God of the glory that is his. We are taking into our own hands the success or failure of our lives. We're not trusting the words and promises of God. We're not trusting the fact that our times are in his hands, that he's going to provide daily bread for us as long as we live here. We rob him of his glory, of the glory that is due him. And this is why it's so important that we come to hear God's word often, that we are in God's word often, that we are reviewing his words and promises all the time. Because it might sound like a simple rundown, but we need to be reminded that we are the crown of God's creation. And we need to be reminded of that often. If God cares for birds, if God cares for flowers, does he not care for you? Of course. He's going to care for you here on earth and forever in, in heaven. We need to be reminded of the fall into sin. You hear people say, I'm born this way. Well, God didn't make you that way. God didn't make us sinful. He didn't create us to die. He didn't create us to disobey him. That's a product of sin. That's a product of the disobedience of our ancestors, Adam and Eve, and it has impacted every man, woman, and child who has ever lived after, with the exception of one, the eternal Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, who lived the life that we failed to live. Never once did he fail to give glory to his father. Never once did he rob God of the glory that is due his name. Never once. Even as every aspect of his life was being ripped from him as he hung on that cross, even as his mouth was, was parched from a lack of water and, and severe dehydration, even as the blood flowed from his body, as he died, he gave perfect glory to God because this was a part of God's plan to redeem lost sinners like you and I who, let's face it, often on a daily basis, rob God of the glory that is due him. Jesus died for us for that reason so that we could be forgiven all our sins, including the times 
that we rob God of his glory. And Jesus didn't stop. He's not in the tomb. He rose from the dead, assuring us that when this life ends, it's not the end. That that soul will live on, awaiting the resurrection, and that the resurrection will be rejoined with a new body, perfect, glorious, so that we can carry out our eternal purpose to glorify the God who made, saved, and sanctified us. God's glory equals no worries. And that makes for an awesome life. Do you realize what a blessing it is to have a worry-free life? This is what your God wants for you as long as you're still here. When you pray that prayer, and we're going to pray it in a little bit, give us this day our daily bread. That's God's invitation to, to you and to me to just let go of all the things that cause us worry. That's God saying, I I got this. I'm going to take care of you as long as I want you alive. I'm going to continue to provide you with everything you need for body and life. Might not be everything you want, but it will be everything you need for body and life. And the result is a worry-free life. Do you realize how much of a blessing that is? To leave here today, to live a life without worry, without fear. That's what God has won for you in Jesus while you're still here on this earth. Forgiveness for all your worries, forgiveness for all your fears, peace with God, and a worry-free life. What a blessing that is. So leave here today remembering God's glory equals no worries. Glorify him and enjoy the the, the worry-free life that follows. To him be the glory. Amen.